Fendi, like the bag. <laughs> this is the Ivory Fuse Podcast. Welcome back. It is I, Mr. Fox of the I Refuse Podcast. I had to get back on here in a relatively short amount of time since the Mixed Nuts 2 episode. You know, while I was putting my notes together for that episode, I came across uh, an update uh, story that I mentioned earlier this season, season 3 of the podcast. uh, Standalone episode late January, I believe. It was uh, the 26th. About the case of or the mysterious death of Lauren Smith Fields in Connecticut. I won't go into too much detail about the the that episode um because that's a standalone episode and it should get as much attention and support as possible. But I will say one of the reasons why I decided to make another standalone episode and not put her uh, her story or anything into the mixed nuts episodes is because <clears throat> there's a lot to unpack uh, from this story uh, as far as black women being violated and disrespected during life and especially during and after death. Uh, You know, Lauren Smith Fields was a black woman, um, college educated. Although she had a significant presence on social media, her life is so much more than that. You know, from what I've read the narrative spins, uh, it was almost like they were minimizing her significance down to listing her number of followers on social media, not highlighting the accomplishments she's made. Um, from what I understand, outside of college, she was also, I believe, pursuing studies, uh, her career, a career into nursing. She met a guy off of Bumble. Um, They were talking. They had been talking for a couple of days, maybe a week or so. And they went out one night, came back to her apartment. She, he says that she left at some point to go out to the outside the apartment to meet a family member to get some clothes. Her date that night said that after she came back, she went to the bathroom for about 10 or 15 minutes, came out, they continued the evening, they were drinking, at some point she either threw up or there was blood coming out of her nose. He didn't call uh, 911, they didn't go to urgent care or anything, they continued the rest of the evening, he spent the night 
woke up and she was not responsive. So here it is four months later. Um, they, there were two things that bothered me from the story when I read it back in January. A, the authorities, uh, the people that responded to the the situation only interviewed him for a short amount of time and let him go. Secondly, almost, I believe, t- a month almost went by before her family was notified. And it wasn't by the cops. It was actually by her landlord that she had something had happened and that she had passed away. So I had mentioned that back in January, you know, it was almost a month that went by. So here it is four months later in April. The family met with the mayor for the first time last Saturday. The meeting which lasted three hours in the mayor's offices inside the government center on Broad Street, which was the same street her family members marched with hundreds of other people on Lauren Smith's birthday, which was January 24th. They were in the building to demand answers about her death, um, which they were not informed by the cops, but by her landlord. Her family's lawyers described the meeting as restorative. Uh, The mayor apologized for not reaching out earlier. Okay. A picture of the mayor hugging her mother was shared. Her mother, Shante Fields, by the way. It's it's reported that the family left encouraged, but is still waiting for plenty of information, such as status of evidence gathered from her apartment, Uh, the medic report, body cam video from officers, 9-11 called audio by her date that evening and reports of who reported her unresponsive. My thought was y'all met for close to three hours with the mayor at his uh, at his job, like in the government building. And you walked away with questions like this stuff wasn't covered in those three hours. In a prepared statement, the mayor thanks the family for the time spent together and extend his appreciation for the opportunity to express condolences in person and offer support to the family during these difficult times. Along with working together to gain answers and discuss various ways to ensure nothing happens like this again. Uh, the families didn't speak on the terms of the lawsuit they were planning, but it was communicated that the city needs to compensate the family in two ways. One of which is to put in place protocols to prevent similar situations from occurring in the future. Secondly, is a financial settlement for the family for the pain and suffering. A bill mandating authorities notifying next of kin within 24 hours of an untimely death is due to be voted by the state of Connecticut lawmakers. The mayor testified in support of the proposed law last month, as did Lauren's mother. According to the medical examiner, Lauren Smithfields died of acute intoxication from combined effects of fentanyl, promethazine, hydro, 
Dizine, and Alcohol. A detailed report released January 24th. While promethazine and hydrothiazine are antihistamines, fentanyl is a synthetic opioid up to 100 times stronger than morphine. So, like I said in the promotion I had put on social media platforms, I have thoughts. I had made one earlier, you know, you met for three hours and those details that the family wanted wasn't discussed in those three hours. And I understand, you know, there are some some pieces about Lawrence Smith Fields, some personal matters that the family may have shared regarding Lawrence Smith Fields. Um, personal identifiable information um, probably didn't they didn't want to share with the public Um, you know it's not far beyond me just what little piece the what little piece is discussed publicly when they go to the podium outside the government center or wherever they were for the you know the media just to take that little piece and run with it, um, you know, to get this the clicks on the internet, to get the pages turned through the newspaper, you know, to get people's attention. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, like I probably mentioned in previous episodes, you know, as the consumer, as the readers that we are, you know, some people arrive and leave with prejudices and uh, fuel to the prejudices and they run to their friends or family and they discuss it around their tables and it's one of those situations where the conversation has an imbalance um, and inequality as to how we live our lives how we're viewed um Instead of looking at it as a cautionary tale. Now, it's still a great area as to the culpability of the man that she was with. But I feel like there needs to be a conversation around the person, the last person we are with or the last person to be there or people to be there when something occurs that ultimately leads to a crime. Everybody should be held responsible and accountable for immediately reporting uh, an accident or an incidental situation. Like I said earlier, like when I first initially read the story, I felt like her date with his from his very own mouth to the authorities um i don't believe the statement was recorded or made it into a report that the moment she comes out of the bathroom to the moment she starts throwing up or you see blood coming out of her nose why wasn't 911 called then why wasn't there 
a passionate, a somewhat aggressive move, sense of, or, you know, move of encouragement to get this girl some medical attention. Um, like, that part I'm having trouble with. I feel like with this three-hour meeting with the mayor, and we're talking about four months after the fact, well, damn near five months, because, you know, that's still that month that the family wasn't notified by the police. You're you're in there for three hours with the mayor, a man that has considerable influence and is connected to the police, the coroner, the medics, um, everything in his state. And with that, anything in the city and their resources. You meet with this man for three hours to discuss a death that has occurred in his city Five months ago, you'd want all of that and all that data. Uh, if he can't, if he doesn't have it at his disposal, you would push him to the departments that have that. The reports, the the camera footage. Um, and you know, me, like if I don't get an answer from the first person, I am staying on the phone until I'm connected to the next person. And if that doesn't work, I'm putting my feet to the concrete, going over there and showing up in person. And I'm not leaving until I get the answers that I'm looking for. Is it annoying? Yes. But it gets it gets shit done, and if we're not pressing enough, the people at the top, people that we elect, people that we put into office and put into these seats, the energy is not going to be felt as it goes down the hierarchy. Um, and for the three-hour meeting to occur. And the energy that's put out after that three-hour meeting is, in my opinion, the post- you know political posturing. Oh, we want to extend our support and apologize for not reaching out sooner. Uh, yeah, that's not enough. I don't, for four months to go by, and the traction hasn't picked up. It's remained where it has since January, in my opinion. And you give this blanket statement that doesn't translate a feeling of, oh, you know, you're really serious about this. Or, you know, there's no assumption or perception that you are doing the work like it's too vague and it's too generalized. Um, 
you honestly could have kept that energy. Because here you have the state of Connecticut, like, you rarely hear any stories coming out from, of this nature, from a New England city. And I'm sure Bridgeport had was shocked that this occurred. But also so mysterious in a way and i and i said in that first the first lauren smithfield's episode like i i was my eyes were heavy on the guy that she was with that that night and how the authorities handled initially handled the case that evening or that the you know the week that came from that and, you know, I, I watched the true crime and I watched, you know, the court cases that are coming up on TV. And I'm just where it's a situation where the the last person or the last group of people and nobody's feet are held to the fire long enough. And it's not a situation where I'm like, OK, well. We need to uh, shine the light in this person's face and be aggressive and push them. Because, you know, as we've seen time and time again, they do that to innocent people. Coerce them into a phony confession, an unreasonable, illogical statement or whatever. It's just... They're not creative enough for me. Like, you can at least do what other cops have done when there's suspicion. Like, you don't have to hold the guy, but at least monitor and track, like, his routine, his habits, instead of just this blanket, let's uh, ask him a couple of questions while he's here and let him go. Uh, I just, it just doesn't sit right with me about that. Now, as far as this, uh, this lawsuit, my opinion is that I don't think it's the way to go from the history I've seen in my city when it comes to cases where like black people, unarmed black people end up dying or severely injured while in the care, I put that in air quotes, of the police, and they end up passing away. And the family decides to file a lawsuit against the city and the police, um, and those parties involved. And... You know, there's a riot that ensues um, because the voice of the oppressed black people are frustrated and are venting those frustrations across the city to wake people up to a disease, uh, cancer that 
occurs in those uh, little corners, those dark corners of the city that, you know, non people of color just roll their eyes at or look the other way when shit's happening. And there is this disconnect in the city. You know, an investigation or the posturing to feed the belief that there actually is an investigation happening as to what happened. The city pays the family. It may not be the entire amount, but it's probably not even in the neighborhood, but it's nearby. The moment the family gets the settlement, gets the money, the investigation and the gravitas that was there dies down and people move on. Uh, the officers are not charged. The people responsible are not charged. There's no court case. Their, you know, their filing is wiped clean and the city moves on. And when it comes to politics, politicians, and the marginalized demographic, and this is coming from the perspective of someone that has lived the last 30-some-odd years. (laughs) At this point, you should probably already know, figure out what my age is. When... Politicians would run for office, and we're still kind of seeing this with, you know, 46 and the Grand Dame VP, that when it's time to run for office, run for a seat, like, it's like when you're going to interview, you really want to impress the people. You really want to, and you're not lying, but you're essentially making these promises and, you know, who are we really to question that? Like you've been in the industry for 25, 30 years, you've moved up, you have the experience, but who is really going to actually do the due diligence, do the research that achieves, you know, results that make you say, oh, okay, this guy or this woman is good to go, right? Time to run for office. You make as many appearances as possible throughout the city. You have the events, you have the speaking engagements, you set up you know, various conferences and all this other shit to appeal to the citizens, white, black, indigenous, native, miscellaneous, all of the above, because you want the votes. You need the votes. You've got to get the votes, right? You do all this on the road to the Senate or the House or the government building down the street, you want to really be in there. So you do all this 
motor mouth stuff. You do the, the footwork. You know, you're physically there in front of people's faces in the community, shaking hands, kissing babies, digging dirt, cutting the ribbon, smiling, cheesing, holding people close. For the cameras, you know, you get people riled up when you're at the podium about change, about purpose, about redirection, about the potential of you, the potential that you have. But the reality unfolds in the next four years or in, you know, the example I gave a couple seconds ago, the first couple of months, it's like, hold on. You said in the first hundred days you would do X, Y, Z, right? This is just an example. We were supposed to have Harriet Tubman on the $20 bill. We were supposed to have student debt canceled, supposedly. We were supposed to have all these things. But the first year or so, we get the the trivial blanket, minuscule things. So, when I think of the mayor of uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut, and I got to the part in this latest story, uh, the verbiage and the languaging that he used, it was just like, ugh. It was probably three hours of, and I'm theorizing, it was probably three hours of the family would say something, he would say a little bit, probably end every other response with, I hear you and I see you. Just like it would be the case if it was like a town hall. You know, the people behind the table would say what they have to say, you know, give you the floor, blink maybe once or twice as you're talking about what needs to be done in the realities and the lives that you live in this great city, in this great state. Nobody's writing anything down. Nobody looks vested in your concerns. And mind you, these are people that you've elected. You've taken apart... You played your role in the political process in exercising your right to vote for whomever you believe is going to do the work to satisfy the privileges or the rights or the concerns in their jurisdictions, right? But months later... You still got the potholes. You still don't have air conditioning in the schools. You Your school buildings haven't been updated. There's still moisture spots on the ceiling tiles. The air quality is not the best. Um, crime hasn't really subsided enough. You know, there's not much change in just the first couple of years. And it makes you wonder, you know, are you really serious? Are you serious about walking the talk those three hours? 
are you really serious, Mr. Mayor, about this death of Lauren Smith Fields? Um, are we holding the the fire the fire the feet to the fire of the authorities in your jurisdiction, uh, particularly the people that reigned over this investigation, took the lead, the first ones that were there, the ones that questioned her bumble date as to the why so many whys and so many what's I mean we know what he experienced because he shared it with the authorities but why didn't you do A why didn't you do B why didn't you notify anybody then um sure it was you wouldn't question well you know what who and what she was going who she was going to go see outside of her apartment um you know she probably she did give like a vague answer oh it's my cousin or it's family why wasn't that explored further um and it's like it's it's a dicey situation, I'm sure, because you just met this girl or you just met this person. You're in her apartment. Uh, you're you don't you're not really in a position or a place to really be nosy or question somebody you've just met. It's weird and cringy. I can I can definitely say that, but. You know, she threw up or there was blood coming out of her nose. There was something not right before you went to bed with her. Um, And I'm sure there was moments after that where it was just weird. But even you or I would ask questions like, what was the conversation the rest of the evening after she threw up or her nose was bleeding? I mean, she was still conscious. She was still audible. She was still talking alive. Like surely the nature of the evening or the direction of the evening changed away from, Oh, we're having a good fun time. We're drinking. We're connecting on some level towards each other like wouldn't that be the point of the concern and the care for another individual kick in uh and then she throws up and you know you're like oh well shit like this looks pretty serious um and you know people you know when you've been drinking people do throw up you know everybody's level of tolerance is different but after she came out the bathroom things didn't go right but she was still there you could you still saw her and you continued the rest of the evening i'm gonna need a little bit more clarity on that and 
I personally am not moved or impressed. Um, you know, it it should have been it should have been more they should have been more driven since that night and even more so four months later. And I feel like for this to happen and then another mysterious death of another black woman happen in the same city and state. And it's not... A, it's, again, not getting the the spotlight it deserves, uh, which has been a common occurrence in the media. Uh, we've seen this in other instances where there are similar stories. There are similar stories uh, when it's a black person and a, a white person... Uh, is dead but there's so much attention put on the stories of the white person and it's promoted sensationalized and it turns almost into a a damn miniseries on the news for weeks and weeks on end Um, and it could be something as severe as this or something so ridiculous but it's just the amount of coverage the you know that on a reoccurring basis taking up so much bandwidth on the TVs on news channels just everywhere and it's like please it's it's insane Yet, we're not hearing, we're hearing little to boo-boo nothing um, about anything additional regarding Lauren Smith Field's death and the death of the other black woman in that same city and state. It's, it just serves as a constant reminder as to how little we're valued um where you know we're past the shock and the surprise you know the fact that small town in new england which in the history of my life or our lives it's happening in an area that's not known for that sort of thing um and with that it's like we're past that point we're like past that point like we really need to get to the work um the examiner's report okay uh we could go in that direction but let's not go any further in time with the belief or this narrative that lauren smith fields was a drug addict that she was this and a that you know the negative 
connotations and the the stereotypes that come with when you marry the word black with the word drugs. And even though the reality is that people are socially using fentanyl and, you know, either singularly or mixing it with other things, putting it in candy, doing, you know, things socially, like, let's not go in that direction and spin up this uh, disparaging narrative putting Lauren Smithfield's life and name in the dirt with those kind of narratives. What I feel like we should be doing is pushing and applying pressure on the people that we have we elect into Senate, into political seats, mayors and governors, and working their nerves and not being satisfied with the rudimentary and blanket generalized statements uh, that are vague, that are not, that don't have traction or, or tangible truths to them. Like I said earlier, like anybody can say anything over the phone and basically at some point talk to get you off the phone so they can go on about their day, eat their little tuna sandwiches at 12 and clock out at four. People can hang up on you on the phone, but show up physically. What, what can they do? What can they say? Like, there's something about making eye contact with somebody, physically seeing somebody, that people are just, are not comfortable with lying and and being rude. Well, some people are bold about it, but on some level, it's like, I can't play you to your face. And it's unfo- it's unfortunate that it's, that we have to go in that direction, but it's like you have to crack some eggs to get an omelet. Like, I, when I think of Lauren Smith Fields, I think of, I believe her name is Kanika Jenkins. I think of the girl in Chicago. Um, this was probably a year or so before the pandemic broke. Um, you know, there was that footage of her, you know, walking weird through the lower levels of the hotel she was at uh she was with some friends supposed to be with some friends at a hotel party um yet and still she managed to be on the lower level uh clumsily walking towards the kitchen and the freezer area um while looking and moving like she was under the influence of something, but it was like she made it that far solo and somehow ended up in the locked freezer of 
this back area of this lower floor, um, nobody around. Um, it's, it's so weird to me. And, you know, Kanika Jenkins, I believe, was the, the black college student that had a friend as a roommate who, uh, and a, a boyfriend that was living with her and somehow ended up dead. And we're all looking at her friend who's in a lot of group photos standing maybe one or two people away from her smiling and stuff. And you're just like, you had something to do with this. Um, but it's like those kind of stories, you know, people lose steam for and people, you know, highlight it one week and the next week or the next month, nothing is produced. And you may get like little blips over the next year or so about it, but it's like it there has to be a result a very uh a very judicial result on the the level of the crime like it's just not fair in my opinion um I hope this you know with this year that this is not yet again another story that's swept under the rug and you know some some of these people's consciousness starts to eat away at them and some truths and some context is brought to the table further And people wake up. People wake up. You know, Bridgeport, Connecticut is not any different than other cities across this country. Um, We should all value life to the utmost regard and to the utmost consideration, particularly the lives of black men and black women and black children. And disassociate ourselves with this immediacy to stereotype and this urgency to be dismissive because we're uncomfortable or we don't, it doesn't fit or affect us, um, our world. Like, oh, it doesn't, I don't have to go through that. So it doesn't affect me. I think that's the kind of ignorance and arrogance that's really going to bring us down further as a society. Those are my thoughts. Um, Lauren Smithfields, you deserve justice. Um, your family deserves answers. And Mayor Ganium, G A N I M, you know, it's on your shoulders sir to get all the answers and to accomplish a great deal of tractions and purpose for the sake of the family um i mean i'm definitely open to the reality that 
it was more so these drugs that played a factor into her death and that it wasn't at the hands of her bumblebee. But I feel like still, like I said earlier, that there has to be laws and legislation and accountability in place on the person that we're with to be liable for immediate and urgent attention, calling 911, taking us to urgent care, like really pushing us to be checked out. And I'm open to the possibility that there probably was a conversation between Lauren and this Bumble Day guy about going to get checked out. And perhaps the reality that she probably talked him out of it out of out of fear of what they would find but it's like I'd rather be embarrassed than be dead you know my my ego my dignity is not more valuable than my life um like, if anything, you go to urgent care, you go to the hospital, please, young people that are doing these these drugs and not feeling well, please go to these hospitals, please go to these urgent cares. Be transparent as possible with these people so they can help you. If it results, if the visit results in your stomach getting pumped, Please get your stomach pumped, get your MRIs and your livers and shit checked, and seek legal counsel to get, you know, documents, the medical documents from the visit sealed, uh, implement that Privacy Act information so there's no further trouble. There's no worry. There's no concern. Because we need y'all out here. Being productive. Being lively. Being happy. Um, It's just not worth. What. You're. Where it leads. If you don't do it. It's just not worth it. Um, I really want the best for Lauren Smith Fields family and I really want the city and mayor Joe Ganim G-A-N-I-M to be held to the fire to make things right and to change the direction of the city particularly the authorities um, in Bridgeport, Connecticut um I'm sure they're they're doing as best they can, but it's we we need some traction, we need some answers, we need the data and the video and the reports given to the family so things could be done in a productive, conducive way. This is Mr. Fox, the I Refuse Podcast. Uh 
I'm holding Lauren Smith Smithfield's life in this story close to me this year. Um, I will make it a point to, whenever I come across a story regarding her, coming to the podcast and updating you guys. This is very, this is very close to me. I don't personally know Lauren Smithfield and her family, but it's just something about this story. Just like the story of Kanika Jenkins, just like the story of, um, I believe her name is Tamala, the black married mom that went to the old white sleepover and ended up dead. And all the white people were let go. Like they were questioned superficially. Nobody was charged. Everybody was let go. The claim was that she had an accident and died. Yeah, I didn't forget about that story. Um, I'm keeping that one close to me too, uh, because there, there's no way there is absolutely no way. And it's not, it's not fair. It's not fair. Uh, this is Mr. Fox, the I refuse podcast. Be sure to follow and subscribe to wherever you see us. The I refuse podcast. We're on streaming and we're on YouTube. Of course, uh, the content is not the same on both outlets, um, the eight streaming platforms we are on, you know, the content is the same across those eight streaming platforms, but the YouTube channel is something I try to make different content about. Um, there are some things on the YouTube channel or, you know, there are some subject matters that I do where I think about that I want to do on YouTube that require animation and theatrics uh you know we talked about season three of atlanta so far i know a new one is out this week i may at some point sprinkle some stuff over there that i feel like is a huge deal I mean, it's this is a huge deal. This is a really huge deal. But I feel like um, also the censoring on YouTube, you know, I feel like I don't want to try YouTube with how, you know, how I talk. Because um, sometimes I can just go and unleash some stuff. And I know YouTube is pretty tight. It can be pretty tight over there. Um, Lauren Smithfields and her family deserves better. Um, and, you know, we're looking at non-people of color and, and, you know, white folks and stuff that are in a position of power that are elected by us, um, that get their job as a result of the voting process that we play a role in, uh, that because we're under the pretense and the belief that they're going to do right by us. And these statements that he gave after the three-hour meeting is just not sufficient um, enough. I mean, nobody should walk away from a meeting with more questions. And more gray area and less clarity. And purpose and a direction. Um... Hopefully, the family does not leave it there. Um, you know, you have to circle back with some of these people that are in these seats. 
you really have to get on their nerves. You really have to really do a whole lot, unfortunately, um, to keep from being pushed into the back of the file cabinet or to the bottom of the pile on desks and being pushed down into the voicemail. Uh, you really have to hit them up every week, several times a week, several thousands of times a month because they say stuff and then they move on. And it's been like that forever. Um, And you may have to make a couple of random appearances and act like you're walking into the courthouse with them or walking into the government building with them and you're questioning them. You know, you don't have to be irate and because, you know, people, you know, white people are sensitive. Lauren Smithfields and her family deserves all of that. They deserve the floor and the spotlight and the news mics and the presentation and the conferences up there in, in Connecticut. Um, if you show, once you show them not to play with you, they don't play. I'm going to leave that there. So this is Mr. Fox, the I Refuse podcast just stay up, stay hopeful, um, do the work that you're passionate about and be with purpose and be with goals and don't let those dreams and hopes sit. You guys take it easy, stay hydrated, make that money, keep your ass on your own paper. Bye.